Well, to take a note from Tom, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Pastors enjoy Christmas and Easter. Preachers, not so much. <laughs> How many variations on the same theme can you come up with and prepare? Now they add this Advent stuff, I've got to do four Christmas sermons. So, uh, but, so what do you do with that? And so I thought what we would do this year is look at a beautiful array of names and titles that Jesus carries. Today we look at Jesus, the son of Abraham. Next week, Jesus, the son of David. The next week, Jesus, the son of God. And on Christmas weekend, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Because each of these titles means a great deal to our understanding of who Jesus really is. Who are we celebrating? What is this all about? You know, it's a beautiful picture, and we focus on that, and we should. It's a magnificent moment, a high point of the history of our planet, when Jesus incarnate came to this earth, God himself in human flesh. But as Matthew tells the story of Jesus, he opened it in a very interesting way. Uh, preachers and authors know that the first few words of your speech or your book have to get attention, have to grab attention. Well, Matthew began with, this is the genealogy. And most people reading, especially the Old Testament, sort of say, well, I skipped over that. Or if I tried to read it, I couldn't figure out the names. So I was confused. So I usually, the genealogies. Why would Matthew start with the genealogy? And an elaborately constructed genealogy has 42 names. Five women. Three of those women were Gentiles. And a great array of people. 42 names in this genealogy. But of those 42 names, he actually began the genealogy, introduced the genealogy by selecting two of those 42 names and highlighting them. And here's how Matthew actually began his gospel. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So what is so significant about David and Abraham that Matthew, in taking out of those 42 names, each of which has some significance, and highlight these two? What does it mean that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the son of Abraham? Well, if we go back to ask ourselves, who is Abraham and why was he significant? It really is the beginning of the Jewish nation, of Israel. And it's found in Genesis chapter 12, which is a significant chapter, not that all of them are significant. But if you think about the outline of Genesis, it began with this glorious story of creation in chapter 1 and the creation of man and woman in chapter 2, created in God's image. And God's, the plan was that God would create people in his own image with the capacity to, to communicate, to, 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 to commune with God to share in the love that God had shared in his three persons in the Trinity, and expanding that to say we're going to create these people with the capacity to love us. And people whom we can love and commune with and be proud of and interact with. It's a beautiful picture. But tragically, sadly, Adam and Eve violated 
the one commandment that God gave them and introduced the concept of sin into the human race. We refer to it as the fall of humanity, Genesis chapter 3. Well, God came and communed with them and talked with them in the garden. And the story goes on that the next phase between Adam and Eve and Noah in Genesis 6 through 8 is a downward spiral until we read in, 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 uh, just before the flood that, it, that, that describing humanity, everything that they did was evil continually all the time. Everything they did was evil. And, and Moses drew that out, that, that man had again separated himself from God. So we had the story of the flood where God said, I'm going to begin again. I started with Adam and Eve. I'm going to start again with Noah and his family. So just as it is true that we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, it is also true that we are all descendants of Noah and his family. And so there was a fresh start. They came out of the ark and they, they made sacrifices to God. But then we read between chapters 8 and 11 another downward spiral. And the story is that man is not able to make it on his own. We do not have the capacity because of the fallen nature of our being that we sin by nature. Someone was ridiculing that recently saying how can Presbyterians and these other denominations teach that man is evil? Hold a tiny baby in your arms and look at that innocent tiny baby and say how could this be a fallen creature? And I say try holding a grizzly cub. Very cute. But in two years that sucker will eat you. We talk about the cute, tiny little baby, and we talk about the terrible twos. Some of you have raised one of those. And a three-year-old is just a two-year-old with a year's experience. <laughs> I never had to teach my boys to be bad. We spent 18 years trying to teach them to be good. One day I was talking to Chris, he'd been in trouble at school again, we got these frequent letters, you know, get this monster out of our school or fix him. <laughs> and I said, Chris, you know, mom and dad pray that you'll be good in school. And he says, it doesn't work. <laughs> so, yeah, and by nature we do the bad thing. I never have to discipline myself to be bad. I have to discipline myself to not be bad. So, once again, we have the Tower of Babel, the, the, the rising of evil to the point where it, just, it, it appears that God just walked away. And, and he confused their languages to, to force them to spread across the earth. You know that part of the story. But then we come to chapter, the end of chapter 11, the beginning of chapter 12, where God said, I'm going to start again. I'm going to start with a couple called Adam, uh, called uh, what are they? Abraham, I preached but I should probably remember that name. Abraham and Sarah. And, and, and I'm going to build a nation through them. And we read about the Abrahamic promise in chapter 12. And that promise was turned into a covenant in chapter 15. And then that covenant was repeated and expanded on in Genesis chapter 17. Which says God was very, very serious about what he told 
Abraham and Sarah, the purpose of their generation would be. And here's the promise he made, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then later he added, and I will give this land that you're abiding on, this is later in chapter 12, all this land to you. So there were really nine promises there. But the last one in this promise here that we find in verse 3, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, is the apex of all these promises. He said, uh, and, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, that amazing statement. He said to Abraham, I've got all these seven other things, I've, six other things I've told you about. Blessing and cursing and, 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 and uh, all of that. In a great nation and... But you know what? Through your people, through your descendants, I'm going to bless the whole planet. And Abraham said, I, you know, I get it about the land. I, I get it about my name being great. But how are you going to bless the whole world through me? Well, in Genesis 26, the Abrahamic blessing and promise was passed on to his son Isaac. And here's what God said to Isaac. Stay in the land for a while, and I will be with you, and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. And then the promise, the blessing, the covenant was handed on to Jacob, to the next generation, to Isaac's son. It says, Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth and its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So repeated, given to Abraham, repeated to his son Isaac, repeated to his son Jacob, so that as Moses was writing this story here in Genesis, that even 400 years later, the descendants of Abraham would understand that God's intention was to bless the whole planet through the Jews. And so when Matthew introduced Jesus as the son of Abraham, what he's introducing us to is the one, the descendant of Abraham, through whom God would bless all the nations of the earth, Jew and Gentile. The psalmist got that sense. Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and his make his face shine upon us so that 
Your ways, O Lord, may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Because you told Abraham, and you told Isaac, and you told Jacob, and you've told the prophets, and you've told the poets, in all of our writings, the law of the prophets and the writings all speak of this incredible fact that God was going to bless the whole planet through one of Abraham's descendants. Well, how does that work? How's that going to happen? Great mystery. People read about it. They heard about it. Isaiah read about it. Isaiah wrote about it. Isaiah imagined it. But it's always a mystery. Even to this day, the Jews have, the Jewish uh, the, uh, readers of the Tanakh, the, the, the Hebrew Scriptures, are troubled with this Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Who is this? And there are various views on this complicated idea that God was going to bless even the Gentiles through a descendant of Abraham. Well, shortly after the church was founded on the day of Pentecost, we talked about that here a few weeks ago, didn't we? And, and Peter preached that great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And then chapter 3, uh, uh, Luke recorded another sermon that Peter preached. And part of that sermon as he's preaching to the Jews said, Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, this church age, this time when people would be coming into a relationship with God. And, and, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So Peter's sermon is saying, you know this Jesus whom we just, you all, that really you just crucified? He's the one God sent to bless all the nations of the earth. It's Jesus. He's the descendant of Abraham. Through whom God will bless even the Gentiles. And so, St. Paul was the, called himself the apostle to the Gentiles. And we read in the book of Acts about his three missionary journeys where he traveled around the world, the Mediterranean, preaching Jesus, the Savior, the descendant of Abraham, who would bless all the nations. And he went up, the first missionary trip, they went up to a place called Galatia, just up north of Palestine, some up in Syria, and planted a church in various cities. A number of churches were planted there, brand new believers. And then Paul got news that some of these Christians were reverting. They were going back to paganism. They, they were being persecuted. And they just were saying, it's just not worth it. We, we can't hang in there. So Paul wrote a letter. It's called Galatians. Clever, isn't it? And, and, and in chapter 3, he, he, he got kind of straight with him. He said, you foolish Galatians. What's going on with you people? You foolish Galatians. 
Who has bewitched you? You before whose very eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Paul said, I, Barnabas and I were there. We preached the gospel to you. We presented Jesus to you so graphically there was almost you could see it. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? How did you become Christians? Did you earn it? Did you work for it? I did. Reflect back on that experience. He said, no, it was not by works of the law. It was by faith. You heard the message that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for your, to pay the penalty for your sins so that you could have a personal relationship with the living Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You couldn't pay for your sins. You can't do enough good deeds to earn this thing. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. And it's not by works, it's by believing what God said. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, the Holy Spirit came in and, and, and he, he justified you. He reconciled you. He delivered you. He adopted you. He made you his own children. All by faith. All by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we thank God that you had that moment where you believed, you had faith, and you accepted God's gift. And you accepted the power of the Holy Spirit to give you new birth. You were born again in that moment. And all these magnificent things that, 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 that are part of a relationship with the living God were yours. And, and now you're trying to go it on your own. What happened to your faith? Just as essential as faith is for you to become a Christian, it is absolutely equally essential for you to be a Christian. Why have you abandoned your faith? Some people see faith as a, as a one moment in time. It's our fire escape from hell. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to get on with life. And Paul says, you foolish Galatians. Why would you do that? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Obviously, it's God at work in you because you believe and you have faith and you act on the promises of God. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Just as Jesus, the Messiah, is the son of Abraham. So, my little row of angels here are daughters of Abraham. And every one of you are sons and daughters of Abraham. By faith. Abraham didn't earn those blessings. 
They were a gift of God. And just as it is true that Abraham's life, and Abraham is known for his faith, and he's saying, follow your father Abraham. You too are children of Abraham by faith. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Every time I look at my watch, I have to look at you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I have to kind of keep track of time because people get upset with me if I go over time. So, <laughs> so uh, you, you are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You are justified. We're going to talk about that one, justified. We're going to come back to that one. What does it mean to be justified? You were regenerated, born again. And because you were born again, you were adopted into God's family. Now, if you'll forgive me, two weeks in a row I tell personal stories. I try not to do that too often, but I had another one this week I just got to share with you. I spent Thanksgiving with my adopted family. That's why adoption, adopted family. Ryan, he preached here a few weeks ago. Ryan and Jill and their beautiful children. They have three daughters who love me. They call me Pop because I love them. And it's just like I'm their real grandfather. We've adopted each other. In fact, Thursday afternoon, I spent an hour and a half sitting in my car while Aaliyah, one of their daughters, showed me how to work the navigation system, the, the electronic <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And we sat there, we visited, we laughed, and she was laughing at me, the old geezer who doesn't know how to do this very simple thing. Yeah, for you it's simple. For me, it's a whole different world. It was just like my own granddaughter by birth. And, and, and that's why this whole idea of adoption, in Romans 8, it says, because we have been adopted, because Jesus has saved us, and he's justified us, and he's regenerated, and we're born again into God's family, we can say to God, the Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, all-knowing, magnificent, awesome God, you can call him Abba, which means dad. It means pop. When those kids call me pop. Wow. Wow. That's what it means that Jesus, the Messiah, is the son of Abraham. He fulfilled that amazing statement that God made to Abraham, all the world will be blessed through one of your descendants. 2,000 years later, Jesus Christ took on flesh so he could be one of us and die in our place. Galatians 3 isn't the only place where Paul says that we come to God as children of Abraham by faith. We exercise faith as he did. And I'm not going to go, uh, it's a much more theologically uh, involved chapter, but I just want to go to the end of that. Thursday morning, I was reading, uh, preparing for today. Uh, it was early Thanksgiving morning, and, and uh, I, I'm an early riser, so I was out there with my computer, sitting out by the, their pool in their backyard. And, and uh, I was reading on my computer because it, it had the light there. 
and, and I was reading Romans 4 in, 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 in Greek, and, and there are things you see in Greek that, that it's almost impossible to just translate. You have to explain it. And the statement, what it, to be more, in the new NIV, Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And that's pretty good as a translation. But what it literally, what it says is he was given over. He was given away. Jesus was given over to death because of that little preposition. Barbara, you were talking to me last week about prepositions. Here's another one. Dia, with the accusative case. Because of. So let me just play with that for a minute. Delivered over. The almighty, all-powerful God says, if I didn't give my son to you, there's no way you could take him. You're dealing with God himself here. But God said, I gave my son over to death because you screwed up. I sat and meditated on that. And then I got sleepy, so I went in the house to get another cup of coffee. And Jill was up, getting ready Thanksgiving dinner. She was starting to work on that. It was maybe 5.15 or so. Jill is Ryan's wife. And she said, what are you reading out there? So I told her. And we just talked. And I said, can you imagine giving one of your precious kids to somebody who says, I'm going to kill her. You say, no way. And the person says, but if you love me enough, you would give me your daughter. You say, I don't love anybody that much, except my daughters. But God said, I love you, and you, maybe even you. <laughs> So much that I will let my only begotten son be brutalized and murdered because only he can pay the price for your sins. And God gave him over because of our transgressions. And God raised him to life because of our need for justification. And all justification, it's a, it's a forensic word. It's a legal word. It means vindication, acquitted. When God looks at you and me, when we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he says, in spite of all that you've done, you're innocent. You're forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Buried in the deepest sea, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as wool. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the son of Abraham. Thank you.
God for that gift.